Hello and welcome back to another episode of Caught Looking, a baseball podcast hosted by myself, Max Greenfield, and my co-host, Ryan Garcia. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to get into today's episode because we get to do some Hall of Fame conversations. And, you know, I already got a little bit animated talking about the Hall of Fame before this. So, you know, I'm right in the mood. Rip the Red Bull. You uh, unfortunately had to witness that. Um, slowly sipping on it as we uh, got through. So, I'm excited, man. Like, this is, you know, the off season's getting kicked off. We actually had some news while we were talking as well. So, I don't know if we're going to talk about that to open or to close. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's the off season. hopefully starts getting ramped up. We got winter meetings in a week and uh, plenty to talk about. Yeah, Kenta Maeda just signed a two-year deal for $24 million with the Detroit Tigers. Great move. I don't really have anything else to say about it other than I really like that for the Tigers. That's exactly the kind of move that they should be making. And so they're starting off the offseason on a good note and a strong note and uh, definitely excited for potentially a team that could be pretty good next year. But that's a conversation for another day. But Ryan hinted at it. This is our Hall of Fame episode. The Hall of Fame ballot dropped on Monday. We've already had two ballots submitted. We'll have more in the coming weeks and everything. Uh, before we get started, you should go follow at not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter. He does all of the Hall of Fame ballot tracking. He's super, super nice, does a lot of great work. I mean, Hall of Fame season used to be super toxic and everything, so it was always not great. But now it's kind of like died down a little bit. The past few years, it's been a little bit better. Um, but definitely a guy that you should follow. He, he's got the sheet where you can go check on to see how people are doing and everything like that. And, you know, it's it's super, super awesome. Uh before we kind of get into the players and what our ballots will look like and everything like that, I just kind of like the process of voting for people who don't know. So ballots are sent out to baseball writers who are BBWAA members who have been working for 10 plus years. And so to be sort of a licensed BBWAA member, you have to have your baseball writing basically be your central source of income from a certified publication then you can apply if you are you know allowed in you then have to write for 10 plus 10 years as your sole source of income consecutively and then you can be able to vote and then as soon as you decide to stop writing about baseball or anything like that you have 10 years left to then fill out a ballot so you know if you never stop writing you know you can basically right and vote for till the day you die um which i think peter cammons fits into that uh that, that guy's still writing still voting he also doesn't know where he is sometimes but that's okay um so that's kind of the process of like what you know these are the people who are ultimately deciding who gets put into the hall of fame and i would say the baseball hall of fame is probably the hardest to get into in sports because of this process i mean the baseball writers are extremely picky it's also only getting more difficult to get in. Um, so the process is they have a ballot. Uh, players are you know selected onto said ballot. You are allowed up to 10 votes. Um, and then if a player has less than 5% on the ballot on their uh, any point, they fall off the ballot. So you we will discuss some players who are not going to hit the 5% mark, um, who probably won't even get votes and everything like that. Um, and they will fall off uh, the ballot. And then you have 10 years to get in. If you do, are not in, after 10 years, you can be eligible for uh, some veterans committees, golden era committees, and stuff like that, um, potentially to get in as well. But we are only going to focus on the writer's ballot and you know that sort of process. 
Uh, Ryan, I don't know about you, but my process usually starts with looking at on the field production. Um, you know, that's again, we're talking about the baseball hall of fame, like the most of it should probably come from there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, first and foremost, you're looking at production and, you know, obviously it's really important. And I think some people overlook this to look at era adjusted stats. If you're looking at a pitcher from the steroid era, their ERA is probably not as good as a guy from, let's say, the dead ball era, right? Um, and that doesn't make them a worse pitcher, but that's why we have, you know, error-adjusted stats. Or, you know, at, at some point in time, we're going to look at players who had like a 780 OPS in 2021, but it turned out to be like a 120 OPS plus, even though, again, a 780 OPS is not on paper very enticing, uh, and we're going to have to adjust for that. So, you know, when looking at this, I, I do think there is an incredible amount of value in, in looking at, uh, you know, error-adjusted stats. Um, volume matters, peaks matter, right? You know, we want to, we don't want to just say, all right, you need to have 60 war to get into the hall of fame because I don't think that would accurately, I think that's too much of a, like that creates too many guys who wouldn't be hall of famers who should be, um, position matters as well. Like a catcher with 55 war versus a shortstop with 55 war is going to be viewed differently, right? Um, or a starting pitcher, right? With 55 war it might be looked a little differently as well, right? So, you know, Obviously, war is a big part of this, right? Like, that's just the best metric we have for overall value. You can kind of, like, quickly sift through, okay, Hall of Fame shouldn't be, but, you know, we're going to do this case by case. We're not going to just say, hey, you have 55 war, you are a Hall of Famer, or you are not a Hall of Famer because you don't have 60, or whatever it may be. So, um, a lot of this is going case by case. I think it's important, especially when we're talking about Hall of Fame votes, right? Like, this matters, right? Like, if we want to make this, if you want this to be a prestigious celebration of the greatest players to ever play our sport... We have to do it. We have to do it diligence, and I think that obviously we don't have votes. But um, if we were going to to go about this as if we did, that's how I'm going to look at this. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you you want to do do a service to the sport and everything, and, and recognize you know the greatest players to ever play, and do them justice, and analyze their cases and everything. Uh, there are some other parts to consider. You know, the part that gets brought up a lot is the character clause, which you know is sort of. The way I kind of view it is, are you representing the sport in the best possible way, both on the field and off the field? And, you know, a lot of people use the character clause to not vote for people who did steroids or were suspended for steroids. And I think that's, you know, maybe suspended is a little bit more legitimate, uh, just, you know, reputation for doing steroids or not, not as legitimate. But I use the character clause in the sense of, did you actually do something like reprehensible? And unfortunately, in baseball, we have a lot of guys who have been accused of some really, really terrible things. And, you know, for me, there are a couple of guys on this ballot and, you know, there are some terrible things out there and I, they become automatic no's for me. Like, you, I don't want that guy to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, people will be like, well, there's other bad people in the Hall of Fame. And I always say, just because it is doesn't mean it ought to be. Like, I had no control over those guys getting in. There's nothing I could have done about it. But I can do something about it now if I were a voter. So I'm not going to let those people in. Um, so you know, we'll discuss it when we get to actual players. But the character clause, you know, does play a value here. I think it actually should exist. You know, some people say it shouldn't. I think it should. And, you know, if it ever does go away, then that would change how I view it. And that would change how I vote for people and everything. But since it does exist, um, I'm going to continue to use it. Um, there are 26 players on this ballot. 20 of them are position players, 6 of them are pitchers. That's a discussion for later on. But to start at the very top of the ballot, uh, we have Bobby Abreu leading off. It's his fifth year on the ballot. He got 15% of the votes last year. 
just to read off some numbers for you know for our listeners. So Bobby Abreu, he played from I believe what years? How many years did he play? He played from 1996 to 2014. Um, he played in 2,425 games. He had over 10,000 plate appearances. He had 288 home runs. Uh, scored 14,053 uh, runs, 1,363 RBI, stole 400 bases, and then hit 291, 395, 475. Good for a 129 WRC+. plus. He has 60.2 career uh, baseball reference war and 59.8 career fan graphs war. Ryan, is Bobby Abreu a Hall of Famer, and is he making your ballot? I believe, I don't know if he'll get voted in. Uh, if that's the question, I think I, my answer would probably be he's not going to get voted in, at least not in this ballot. Um, but he is a Hall of Famer in my eyes. You put up a 128 OPS plus, you've got, you know, roughly 60 wars, a corner outfielder. Um, great OBP, 395 OBP. Secretly, like, low-key, pretty good base stealing threat, right? Like, 400 steals in his career, 288 home runs, and the counting stats are pretty good. Just consistently a really, really good player. Um, I think some of the things working against him in terms of like, you know, what people traditionally want in a player is number one, he didn't have that like, you know, he didn't, uh, unfortunately this is used against, this is going to be used against some players, but he didn't win a World Series, so I guess that's going to be used against him, uh, you know, I don't think it should, I think it's silly, um, but I guess that matters to some people, um, you know, and then obviously the lack of like, overwhelming home run numbers from a corner outfielder i think obp as a whole just gets underrated in the hall of fame conversation because it's not flashy right you know sometimes you hear people say you know a hall of famer when you see one well baseball like i feel like right i think that phrase i think that phrase is in inherently it doesn't do justice to what this process is about which is trying to identify and get the best players and we know that baseball is not a sport just about what looks good right there are some players that look great they make flashy plays they do things that are awesome but they're not like efficient players or they're not you know like they have a lot of doubles or home runs but their wrc plus isn't great because they don't get on base often or they don't hit for a high enough average or they don't slug enough whatever it may be so um you know i, I think deep down I think that anyone who looks at data would, would would be able to walk away with, all right, Bobby Abreu should be a Hall of Famer, but I don't think it's going to be by an overwhelming en enough amount for him to immediately get in. I think he could get in at some point, but he's a Hall of Famer to me. I think you agree with me here. It, I don't care about the lack of All-Star. Like, he has two. I get it. Like, it's not great, but who cares, right? Like, it's not his fault that voters suck at their jobs or that, let's say he had a great second half instead of a first half. I think that's silly. Like, could you imagine, like, hey, it's more important to be good in the first half than it is to be good in the second half? Doesn't that go against the idea that the postseason is all that matters or whatever, maybe? Doesn't that go against the principles of winning? I think it's just silly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Bobby Abreu is, is a Hall of Famer. Um, he's he's on my ballot. Uh, so I have, I have two stats. So for both of them, since 1920, there have been six players with 400 stolen bases and 250 home runs. Ricky Henderson, who's in the Hall of Fame, Joe Morgan, who's in the Hall of Fame, Craig Biggio, who's in the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, who I'm not going to get into that, his father, Bobby Bonds, who arguably is a Hall of Famer. He was pretty underrated. Um, and then Bobby Abreu. So pretty good company. Like you're on the list with three Hall of Famers and then arguably the best player ever who's not in for other reasons. And then a guy who was probably very underrated. And then another stat is... Since 1920, again, there are just four players who have a career on-base percentage above 390 
and have 400 steals. Ricky Anderson, Joe Morgan, Barry Bonds, Bobby Abreu. He was such a rare, like, on-base speed threat with enough power that, yeah, I mean, he he was just super good in an era that didn't really understand how good he was. The glove certainly left a lot to be desired, especially as he got older. Um, it wasn't ever awful early in his career. It was actually pretty good for a couple of years, but it just, it, it kind of went downhill. He probably would have benefited from being a DH a little bit sooner. Um, but again, just a very, very rare power speed threat. Um, and on base speed threat. I mean, from 1998 to, uh, 2005, he's, he only had one season he stole. He did steal forty bags a year, but he never had a season with less than twenty steals, except for nineteen ninety eight, uh, and he never had a season with less than uh, seventeen home runs, which was also nineteen ninety eight. So again, stealing twenty bags, hitting twenty home runs a year, getting on base above four hundred. You know, this is just a very rare case that was just a guy who was really good, and nobody really seemed to pay attention. Also, didn't help that I think the Phillies just—I don't remember them being really all that good during that time period either. When they started to get good, he left. That didn't really help. Um, but, yeah, I think Bobby Abreu is the Hall of Famer. Like, I don't know if he'll get in eventually. I think he's kind of like a fringe guy because, again, 50, 60.2 uh, baseball reference war, 59.8 fan graphs war. You know, for me personally, like, if you're at 60 or above it or right around it, I generally are like, okay, like, I'll probably vote for you, but... I have to kind of see, you know, analysis and everything like that. Like there are guys above 60 who I probably wouldn't vote for sometimes uh, just based off pure production. But like if you're at 60, I'll I'll probably consider it. And Bobby Ray is on my ballot. And again, I think one of the more deserving candidates on this ballot. There's just the argument against him is he just wasn't good enough. Well, okay, but like not really doesn't have any off the field issues. Was really good. Played on some good teams, did some good things. So. Yeah, I, I, I would vote for him. Next on our list is, is Jose Bautista. It's his first year on the ballot. Uh, Bautista played from, I think it was 2004 to 2018. Um, Bautista, at one point in time, was actually probably like the most feared hitter in the league. I mean, his days in Toronto, he was, he was smashing some balls. So he played in 17,000, sorry, not 17,000, Jesus, 1,798 games, uh, uh, 7,244 plate appearances. He had 344 home runs, good for 1,022 RBI, 970, or sorry, 1,022 runs scored, 975 RBI. He has a career uh, 247, 361, 475 slash line, good for a 126 WRC plus, but... Unfortunately, he only had 35.3 career Fangraphs war and 36.7 career R war. Ryan, is he on your ballot, and do you think he gets in? He is not on my ballot. It's obviously like, okay, if we were just doing the Hall of Sick as shit, he is in the Hall of Sick as shit. Like, you know what I mean? He was awesome. Like, he hit the crap out of the baseball. He... Like, didn't strike out a lot relative to his era, right? Like, obviously, strikeout rates back then, you know, I'm saying back then, like, we're talking like 2015, he was running a 15.9%. He was walking more than he struck out, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and he was just destroying the baseball. And, of course, the bat flips, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. Generational. I mean, 
the one he hit off Sam Dyson. Yeah, and not I mean, even just hard, that. Hard to get better than that. Do you remember the one with the Orioles where like they throw it behind his head and then he hits a ball, just just destroys the baseball, just does things. To, he just he was just cool. Like I just like I I, I think you know some people cool player right. What, a very cool player. What some people forget with this Hall of Fame process too is getting to the ballot is awesome, and I, I, we at least get to appreciate right. the careers of players who made it here. I don't think Jose Bautista is going to be like, yep, I'm a Hall of Famer, right? Like, I don't – I think these players would love to be. Like, I think this idea – I think he's just honored to be on the ballot. Right, and we get another opportunity to talk about him, and that's great. Like, you know, there weren't any – not that I remember any outstanding off-field issues to note. I'm not going to quote myself on that. He did punch Runet Odor in the face. Well, don't wait, Runet field, Odor. Punch him was... in the face. <laughs> Right. So that's right. That's right. That's right. Like you know what was was he cocky? Sure, but does that make does cocky make you bad? Like no, not as a person. Uh, he's just a cocky dude, right? He's just a shit talker, and you know as there's just no outstanding off field issues. Awesome player. Like usually it's hard to find that mix, right? Like in a sport where that mix, we'll we'll get into that. That sport is no that mix isn't always there. Congratulations on a great career for Jose Bautista. I just want to highlight. Uh, his 2011 season because it really was one of the best seasons of the 2010s 180 wrc plus hit 43 home runs 302 447 608 slash line good for an eight point i think three fangraphs war um the year prior he had 54 home runs and had a 165 wrc plus and then he also had a 160 wrc plus in 2014 he was a good player man just his peak wasn't very long he also his peak started at age 30 so that kind of limited his or age twenty nine, I should say. Yeah, he just he got he got a lot better all of a sudden. Should have done it, if he had done it sooner. Yeah, he probably makes it in, but unfortunately for him, he's going to fall off the ballot more than likely. Uh, but still, he was an immensely fun player to watch. Um, next up on the ballot, and this one has some controversy to it. It's Carlos Beltran. Uh, he played from 1998 to 2017, infamously part of the 2017 Astros, um, where reports are kind of vague, but some people tell you that he was the ringleader of you know that Houston Astros sort of cheating operation, um, and you know we can kind of talk about whether or not that should affect his case and everything like that, but um, and everything, but. Carlos Beltran played in 2,586 games, had over 11,000 plate appearances, hit 435 home runs. Um, he also had 5, sorry, 1,582 runs scored, 1,587 uh, RBI, 312 home runs, good for a 279, 350, 486 slash line, a 118 WRC plus, a 67.5 Fangraphs war, and a 70.1 baseball reference war one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball history one of the best uh switch hitters in baseball history ryan even with the controversy around carlos beltran is he making your ballot and is he a hall of famer carlos beltran is a hall of famer right like i i understand the controversy in 2017 i understand that that can be viewed as a stain on his career um, but I personally don't believe that the scandal should stain anybody's career on that Astros team in terms of like players and whether they're Hall of Famers or not. I don't know if that's a hot take. That's just my opinion. I know that you could reasonably argue, well, you know, what they did was worse than steroids, but I don't know if that's a fair thing to say, number one and number two, and we'll get into this. I, I only like, I only left off steroid guys who got suspended. Beltron was never suspended. 
he was removed from his managerial role. And I guess you could like ask the question, would he have gotten suspended? But like, am I really going to do like, am I going to do hypotheticals here? I feel like doing hypotheticals, like that's like saying if David Ortiz got caught, would he have gotten suspended? Right? Like I'm not going to do hypotheticals. He was never suspended. Um, I'm not going to use that against him. He had a 76.8 F4 in his career. As you mentioned, great base runner as well, uh, alongside the fact that, you know, he had plus 38 defensive runs saved in center field, and he didn't even start his career. Like, the the defensive run saved metric wasn't being tracked to start his career, so probably missed a lot of his best defensive years. Um, But overall, when you have 435 home runs, 312 stolen bases, you're a plus defender in the outfield, and you have 67.8 war and also 118 WRC plus to boot. How are we going to argue this guy on a talent level or at least a production level isn't a Hall of Famer? Like, I remember specifically, like, watching MLB Network or whatever, and they're like, oh, he's not a Hall of Famer, right? And this was more like 2015, so, like, before this type of stuff was very relevant. But I don't know. If we're just talking strictly numbers, strictly the player, and we're assuming that the Astros thing, like, that shouldn't hold him back, he is obviously a Hall of Famer. It's not close to me. Yeah, so here's the thing about the 2017 thing that kind of gets, I don't know, gets me going, I guess, Um, is that it was the last year of his career and he was god-awful. Like, respectively speaking to a guy who's very, very good at the sport and was one of the best players ever seen and everything like that. But he was terrible that year. And to hold that against him when he was that bad is kind of crazy to me. Like, I just, I I don't understand the point. Like, his career was already defined at that point. He was already a Hall of Famer. What are you doing holding that against him? It's like if, you know, at this point in time, let's say Albert Pujols used PEDs in his last season. Are you not going to vote for him now? He was already a generational hitter, one of the best to ever play. But he got to 700 home runs because he used steroids. Are you really not going to vote for him then? Like, does it really change that much? I don't personally know. Like, it doesn't it doesn't really change anything for me. And that's kind of how I view it. Is like, just why? Like, wh- why? Why are you doing this? Like, it's I don't I I don't get people who hold 2017 against him. Like that happened a lot last year. It was like, well, I'll vote for him eventually, but I'm not going to vote for him right away. Why? Who cares? He's a Hall of Famer. You know he's a Hall of Famer, right? Like, it's just... uh, Blows my mind. But just to point this out, as I said, one of the best switch hitters ever. He is sixth all-time in switch hitter uh, baseball reference war. Uh, Up there with Tim Raines, who is a Hall of Famer, Eddie Murray, Roberto Alomar, Ozzie Smith, and Frankie Fish, who played 100 years before now so i don't really know much about the guy but again he's up there with other hall of famers like he should be in i I think he i don't think he gets in this year but i think he might get in next year like i think he sees a big jump this year i think you could see him take a very large jump he got uh last year 46 percent of the vote i think a lot of voters will vote for him eventually so i i expect him i think before year five to get into the hall of fame I think it could happen in year three, but um, I I think it'll definitely happen in year five. Uh, Moving on to probably the most deserving candidate on the ballot, 
Uh, I think you'll agree with me here, Ryan. Adrian Beltre, it's his first year on the ballot, played from 1998 to 2018. Um, outside of an incredible baseball career, which saw almost 3,000 games, over 12,000 plate appearances, 477 home runs, 1,500 you know, runs scored, over 1,700 RBI, 121 stolen bases, good for a 2 86, 339, 480 slash line, which is good for a 115 WRC+. plus. Also, I still believe is the all-time leader in defensive runs saved, if I, if I remember correctly. One of the best third basemen ever, five-time gold glove winner, four-time all-star. Adrian Beltre, is he a Hall of Famer, and is he on your ballot? Am I undersized? Yes. Is Adrian Beltre a Hall of Famer? Yes. Like, these are facts of life. These are not disputable. I told this to you before we did this podcast. Any voter who does not vote for Adrian Beltre to get into the Hall of Fame should lose their ability to vote on the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. Like, I, the first ballot thing's already gone. Uh, you know, Mariano Rivera has already been a unanimous Hall of Famer. The first ballot thing's stupid anyways. But, like, the unanimous thing, that's already done. That precedent has already been set. We... Do we have to, like, do I have to say anything outside of 83.8 F war? 93.5 baseball base war, reference war, too. One of the best defensive players at his position. Great offensive career. Played a lot of games. Somehow was a lot better after 30, which defies normal aging curves. But Agent Peltre was just that type of guy. I am not going to sit here and accept like, there is, this is one of those Hall of Fame cases where, like, I know Beltran, I was like, yeah, he's, in my eyes, he's clearly a Hall of Famer. You cannot, like, you can't have a ballot that doesn't have Adrian Beltre. You better, like, I just, like, I genuinely don't think you should be allowed to, like, continue to do this. Like, you don't care about the process, in my opinion, if you're not voting for Adrian Beltre. He's kind of underappreciated because he's not really viewed as, like, that inner circle kind of Hall of Famer, but... Borderline should be. Such, he, the war suggests he should be, right? And I'm going to take Baseball References version of war over Fangraphs here because they have defensive runs saved and UZR is an older version of defensive data. So I'm, I'm going to kind of lean towards the newer metric. I know that OEA came in at the tail end of Beltre's career, but are we really going to use Fangraphs war for Beltre because it captured like his wash defensive years, right? Like I feel like that's a little bit uh, unfair to the guy. We're, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's in the near centennial mark in terms of war. Come on. Right? Yeah. I mean, the only way I think you can justify not voting for Beltre is there are some fringe guys like Bobby Abreu on this ballot and other guys that we're going to talk about. And if you were dead set on you want to vote for certain guys and you know Beltre is going to get in and you're like, hey, like I want to vote for this guy because I want to make sure he stays on the ballot. I think that's fine. Like, I think there's a justifiable way to do that. I think there's a certain number of players that that's okay for. Like, if they did that to vote for Jose Bautista, I'd be like, no, you're just an idiot. Like... There, there's a line with that, but like some guys, like a, like a David Wright or a Chase Utley or a Matt Holiday, like even though I'd vote for one of those guys, like if you were like, hey, I'm not sure that that guy's gonna stay on the ballot, but I think he deserves a harder look. Understand that I can completely be like, okay, Beltre's getting in, might as well. That's the only case where it makes sense not to vote for Adrian Beltre. Why? Because there are 11 players in baseball history who have more than 3,000 hits and 450 home runs. And only two of them are not Hall of Famers. Both of them, one of them's on the ballot, I mean, Alex Rodriguez. The other is Rafael Palmero, 
who did steroids and so is not in. Oh, and Miguel Cabrera. He, he's not a Hall of Famer, but probably will be one day. But it's Willie Mays, Henry Aaron, Stan Musial, Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pools, Carl Yastrzemski, Adrian Beltre, Rafael Palmeiro, Eddie Murray, Miguel Cabrera, and Dave Winfield. Those are the names that he's connected to offensively in terms of counting stats. And then you add into the fact that he was arguably the second best defensive third baseman in baseball history behind Brooks Robinson. Probably the easiest yes on this ballot. Also just a tremendous dude. Like just a really, really cool dude. Awesome person. Teammates loved him. Had a great career. Hopefully he goes in and wears a Rangers cap. I think he's getting in on this first ballot pretty easily. The question really just becomes, will somebody not vote for him? Um, which I, I, I don't think he will be unanimous, but he he's going to get in this year, and he, he's on my ballot. I mean, it's just so easy to vote for him. Up next, we got Mark Burley. Mark Burley is an interesting case here. So this is Mark Burley's fourth year on the ballot. He's at 10.8%, so he's not seriously in jeopardy of falling off the ballot or anything like that. Um, he played from... 2000 to 2015 he started 508 uh sorry 493 games appeared in 518 games he went 214 and 160 he threw almost 3300 innings he had a career era of 3.81 a 4.11 career fip and a career 52.3 fangraphs war and 59.1 baseball reference war uh, spent the majority of that career with the Chicago White Sox, but also played for the Miami Marlins and the Toronto Blue Jays. Ryan, is Mark Burley on your ballot, and is he a Hall of Famer? Personally, I, I struggle with this one, but I'm putting him on the ballot just so that we can hold on to him for a little bit longer. Um, I don't think you should fall off the ballot. Like I think that's the big thing here. Um, and, you know... I think he he has a pretty solid case, right? Like, you know, he, he crossed the 50-war threshold on, on, in both versions of the metric. He was, like, one of the last, quote-unquote, workhorse. Honestly, he's the last true workhorse I think we've seen in baseball uh, in a while. Like, can you think of anybody who, like, retired after Burley who deserves that moniker more? I'm trying to think. I mean, again, you know, in terms of modern pitchers, I guess you would probably— here, Here's the thing— just to throw out a stat about Mark Burley is his first full season starting, he threw 211 innings or so, and he never threw under 200 until his last year when he threw 198. You're right. Absolute workhorse of a, of a pitcher. Just threw a sh- crap ton of innings. I had to stop myself there for a second. Um, Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, modern, like, workhorse, I guess the only guy you could really compare – now is Garrett Cole, right? Aaron Nola. Those are the guys that that's pretty much it. Those are the only guys that, that throw as much as he did during his career. And you would argue those guys still don't match his volume because he was averaging 220. Obviously, the COVID year kind of threw things into the wrench because not just did you have a shortened, shortened year that year, but 2021 was obviously going to be a hard year to throw a lot of innings in because everyone was kind of capped out under 100 the year prior. So I understand that does work against some guys. But, you know, end of the day, it like, it's it's hard. And we kind of talk about this a little bit. It's going to be really hard to get guys in if Burley doesn't get in, right? Like, 
in a sense, we're going to have to lower that threshold for what makes for a Hall of Fame starting pitcher. And I know that that's going to seem like watering down the Hall of Fame. That's the trend pitching's going in, right? Like, did you see that uh, quote from Matt Blake talking about, like, the va- like, like just not having defined, like, starters and relievers for some guys? Like, the, the versatility of, like, having a guy who, like, gives you four innings one day, and then the next day they're giving you one inning or two innings out of the bullpen or whatever it may be. Just, like, those flexible, yeah, less the fu- labeled that's roles. That's the future of pitching is what you said. And it's going to be. I, I fully believe it is. I mean, how many games did the Yankees win this past year doing, like, a open with Ian Hamilton – Go to Johnny Brito for three innings, then hand it to the back end of their bullpen, right? Like, yeah, it was a. It's been a successful strategy for a few years now, right? For teams. Or like, go three inning, go four innings with Luke Weaver, go three innings with Johnny Brito, go Loisga, go Holmes, win the fucking ball game, right? Like, and it worked, and it and that right there. Let's be honest, there are teams that aren't going to spend and that can use a strategy like that. You don't think the Tampa Bay Rays are thinking? We can they get love like, it. They love it. Right? Man. They're like, hey, we can get like three innings from Taj Bradley get three innings from like another guy who's like we're developing as a starter or whatever it may be or is a reliever who's a multi-inning guy and then go to the back end of our bullpen and just have them eat up the last three innings. You may call it, I mean, it is cheap. I get it, right? But I mean, it's also probably good, right? Like it's also probably better than it's a fa- paying it's for a fifth starter. Right? What would you rather, like if you're talking about winning games, I'm not talking about like getting through a season. I'm talking about winning games. Would you rather pay $12 million for Cal Gibson or take those $12 million, get like, you know, uh, you know, two good, not great relievers, um, and then have like a top, you know, two guys under rookie control. Let's say, yeah, like that's probably what it would be, right? It would be like two relievers, and then you know, two guys in your farm system who can give you, you know, who aren't necessarily starters or who are starters but haven't been stretched out into that role, and then ask them to give you three innings, and then ask those two relievers to finish out the game. That's gonna give you more wins. That's probably gonna prevent more runs. Yep. That's gonna be the future of this sport. Like, if we're not gonna adjust for that future. It's going again, I agree with you. I think if, if you look at Mark Burley, first of all, I don't think he gets in, but he is on my ballot um, because we, we were talking about this beforehand. You know, there's another starting pitcher on the, there's three, uh, three other starting pitchers on this ballot. Uh, I don't think any of them are going to get in um, though. I think one of them probably should, but Burley through from 2001 to 2000, and 10 the least amount of innings he threw in a season was 201 he made 30 starts every single year uh he just super super valuable yeah his raw era during that time not super amazing but his career era minus is what like 86 87 if i remember correctly which is pretty solid um again i think it's just he was pretty good for a very long time when he was never like amazing um, he does have a couple gold gloves and a couple all-stars. He has, remember, the Burley meter. Uh, he has one of the best plays I've ever seen by a starting pitcher defensively. Um, yeah, he, he's just really good, but it's after him. So next year, you have CC Sabathia on the ballot. I think, you know, when he comes up, I think most people agree that that's a Hall of Famer. Um, and maybe he won't get in on his first ballot, but he will probably get in one day. Then after that, you have Cole Hamels, who's, Pretty borderline, um, certainly deserving of a pretty heavier look. And then you really have nothing until Verlander, Scherzer, and Kershaw and Greinke retire. So, like, you're going to go years if you don't let in Mark Burley into the Hall of Fame or Andy Pettit into the Hall of Fame when when we discuss him later without letting in a starting pitcher. And that's kind of crazy. Like, we're just going to miss out on, like, a whole era of starting pitchers if we don't let Burley in. And I... I think that's why I kind of like I, I vote for him 
because of that is like I don't want to ignore an era of starting pitching. And if we do that, if I don't vote for Burley, then I'm doing that. Um, it's a little ironic because now we're talking about another starting pitcher, uh, famous for many reasons, not many on the field, though. Uh, Bartolo Colon, it's his first year on the ballot. Uh, he, <laughs> Colon played for a very, very, very long time. Um, you could, I think he still has teammates playing, but he played from 1997 to uh, 2018. He did win a Cy Young in his career. Um, he appeared in 565 games, made 552 starts. He went 247 and 188. He threw just under 3,500 career innings. His career ERA is 4.12 with a career 4.15 FIP. Good for a 51 career F war and a 46.2 baseball reference war. Ryan, is he a Hall of Famer and is he on your ballot? No, and no, he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, has a Cy Young, which, like, sure, I don't know if he should have won it, but he has one, right? Like, can't take that away from him. Um, as you mentioned, he pitched for an extremely long time, is still pitching professionally, actually. So, technically speaking, technically speaking, hasn't retired yet. Um, is the war there? If Burley's war is fine, I guess Cologne's is. But, like, this is what we were talk- I talked about a little bit earlier with, like, I'm not going to just allow every guy who has enough war for me to consider it into the Hall of Fame. The guy has a 95 ERA minus, and it's not like the peak is unbelievable. You know what I mean? It's not like the peak is can't miss, it's, right? Like it's I barely even good, if we're being He honest. also served the PED suspension. So, it, it, like... Those families, too. Right. I, I, like, we don't even have to... Like, I, the fact that I didn't have to bring up the family part, like, I, there were... There's an off-the-field reason, which, you know... Yeah, that is a thing. And then he got suspended, right? Like, I, I already disqualified. Am I going to make the first exception to suspending, uh, you know, getting a suspension for PDs? Fucking Bartolo Colon? No. <laughs> no, like, just no. Am I going to, what, am I going to make the first, like, I, you could you could have voted for, you know, you could have voted for Sammy Sosa. I know he didn't serve a suspension, but he was heavily implied and implicate, uh, you know, there were a lot of implications of him in steroids. Could vote for another guy on this ballot, right, who also served the suspension, right? A couple like, guys on this ballot, actually, yeah. Yeah. I'm not the first Hall of Famer to, like, be a no-doubt-about-it steroid guy. Like, not not whispers, or even strong whispers. Straight up got suspended. It should not be Bartolo Colon. It should never be Bartolo Colon. Great career because he pitched for that long. Like, end of the day, you, you make 552 starts. You pitch in 565 games. You throw over 3,000 innings. How many guys are going to end up with 3,000 innings in their career, Max? You know, in the next 10, not, 15 not years. Not many. So, celebrate him for the volume. Not sure if I even want to use this word celebrate, but he pitched a lot. Let, that's that's really the thing, right? He pitched a ton. Yeah, I, he's not on my ballot. I wouldn't even. I didn't even consider voting for him. He, big, sexy, fun career, I guess. But yeah, no. Next guy on the list is Adrian Gonzalez. Gonzalez played from, I believe it was, 2004 to 2018 as well. Um, first baseman for the San Diego Padres, Boston Red Sox, and uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Had a pretty good career, actually. Played in just under 2,000 games. Had over 8,000 plate appearances. Th- 317 home runs. Um, drove 
uh, in over 1,200 runners, just had under 1,000 runs scored. He hit 287, 358, 485, good for a 127 WRC plus in his career. He also had a career, um, I believe it was 30, yes, 36.3 Fangraphs war and a career 43.5 baseball reference war. Ryan, is Adrian Gonzalez a Hall of Famer, and is he on your ballot? Not a Hall of Famer, not on my ballot. More of like a Hall- Jose Bautista situation, yeah. you know? Like I, I consider him borderline Hall very good, though. He had some no, really, definitely. There was a point in time where Adrian Gonzalez was one of the most feared hitters in baseball. Right. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to diss the guy. Like, it's not like a diss on him. Like... I mean, you, you put up what? You put up 36 Fangraphs war. You hit 300 home runs. You've had an objectively really good career. Yeah. Um, And this is like like this is like the Jose Bautista situation for me. Like, what? Am I going to sit here and say, oh, well, he's not a Hall of Famer. Why should we even care about his career? That is a remarkably ignorant way to look at baseball, I think. And that's a remarkably boring and stupid way to look at it. Had a great career. Uh, had some really awesome years. You know, had some really awesome years for multiple teams, too. Like, he had a 155 WRC plus in his first season with Boston. If you remember him on those Dodgers teams, I surely do. Uh, because that's kind of when I really got into, like, playing more MLB The Show. And, you know, I was a little older. So he was like, a beast, man. He was just right. a beast. Uh, you know, his years in San Diego, obviously. I believe he was in uh, the interview. Like, wasn't he involved in that the interviews for their, for their manager? He was. Spot or he, was. Like that? Uh, he was uh, so, one of the finalists. You know, that's cool. Honestly, I would love to see like I, I think that there's a there's a growing um there's a growing like group of players who are, you know, getting into major league front offices and major league uh coaching jobs. Like we talked, you know, Brad Ausmus was recently hired as the Yankees bench coach. Obviously he was a manager before that, but I actually was talking to you about this. The Yankees had not the Yankees, Brad Ausmus left the Oakland job originally because he was gonna try to see if he can go work in a front office, right? So you know, Craig Breslow is now an uh, MLB GM. Uh, Andrew Bailey is one of the best pitching coaches in baseball. Uh, Chris Young is the GM of the t- World Series winning uh, Texas Rangers. Right. You know, uh, just, you know, I, I, it would be really cool to see that. Obviously, another extension of his career. And also, like, imagine if he's a solid manager, you know, sticks around for, for you know, let's say a decade. Right. Like, I know that's, that's a lot of years, but not even a manager, just a coaching role for a decade. Imagine saying I hit 300 home runs as a player and I spent about a decade in coaching. That's one hell of a baseball career, man. That's one hell of like a, and I guess that's a conversation we could have another day as to like how much should coaching, like should, like I know you go in as either a player or a coach, but should those lines be a little bit more blurred? I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, so going as a just career. a baseball legend. Yeah. I mean, if he, if right. He, I got nothing against Adrian Gonzalez. Like Joe Torre is a weird example for that because, like, yeah, his baseball career was really good, and obviously his probably should have been in the really Hall good. of Fame as a player. Yeah, like he's... right. It's like you know, um, obviously a little bit of a different case here, but again, I'm just saying, like, you know, celebrate his career and uh, hopefully he he lands a managerial or coaching job somewhere because that'd be cool, you know. Yeah, I agree. That I got nothing against Adrian Gonzalez. Very fun player. Next guy on the ballot is Todd Helton. It's his sixth year on the ballot. He got 72.2% of the vote last year. Um, he spent all of his career with one team, and that was the Colorado Rockies. Arguably, probably the best Rocky in their franchise's history. He played for them from 1997 to 2013. You know, really, really long career, 17 years with the organization. And across those 17 years, he was pretty damn good. Pretty, you know, one of the most feared hitters in baseball for, you know, quite a long time. Played in just under 2250 games, had over nine, almost 9,000 
500 plate appearances, hit 369 home runs, scored almost scored just over 1400 runs and drove in just over 1400 runs. Um, he was good for a really, really incredible uh, slash line. I, you know, I understand people are going to look at it and be like, oh, well, he played in cores and everything like that. But like, shut up, shut up. I don't want to hear the cores argument with that. Uh, but he hit 316, 414, 539. Good for a 132 WRC plus and a 133 OPS plus. He also had 61.8 uh, baseball reference war and was good for, I believe it is 54.9 Fangraphs war. Ryan, is Todd Helton on your ballot and is he finally getting in this year? I think he gets in this year, and I think he's on. Not I think I know he would be on my ballot. Uh, and look, as you mentioned, the whole like, oh well, he played in Coors Field. That does two things. Number one, it assumes he's only good because of Coors Field, which you can't prove that. Number one, it's not so like there's no evidence for this claim. There is no like nobody can feasibly prove this, right? It's it's not like. You know, there is a, a, a study or, or data points out there that would be like, oh, yeah, he would suck if he didn't play in cores. Um, and then looking at the career numbers away from cores, we're going to say a 121 WRC plus away from cores is, is bad, right? Like, and that's his career right. number. Look, if we want to say that, you know, uh, if you want to argue he would have only been a 121 WRC plus hitter because he was a 121 WRC plus hitter away from cores, I, I think that's insane. Like, Players typically hit better at home than on the road. Um, that's like a historic thing. Like that's always he been the thing. He struck out and walked just as much on the road. Like he had 14.5% walk right. rate at, on the road and a 14.7% strikeout rate on the road for his career. He's just a great hitter. Just a just a very good hitter. Right. And I know that like look, I know that after really after his age 33 season it wasn't pretty. Like I understand that. Extremely not. But that peak man, um you're fi- you're 55. Like his career is very similar to Fred McGriff's, um, in terms of like the counting stats, the WRC plus, all that stuff. I understand again playing a co- being a career Colorado Rocky doesn't help because the Rockies did not accomplish much in the postseason in his time there. I understand that that's going to be used against him, but that shouldn't be. We're past this. We're grown ups. Come on, we're we're past the point of. You know, understand. We're we're past the point of thinking that major league players um, can influence postseason outcomes entirely on their own, and that they're the only factors here. Um, He's a great player who had a great career. I mean, is there anything else much more I had to say that should work for his Hall of Fame case? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely getting in this year. Well deserved. Um, Over a five year stretch, he had four seasons with a WRC plus over one sixty while spending time in Coors Field. That's, I mean, you do that. You have four seasons with a 160 WRC plus over a five-year period. You just have to do enough in your other years to kind of make up for that, and he definitely did. For sure did that. So definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, some hang-up, he, he does have two DUIs in his life. I can understand somebody being like, hey, like I don't want to vote for him because of that. I get that. I can, I can, I can be okay with that. But in terms of like what he did on the field, uh, it's pretty hard to argue that he wasn't just one of the best hitters of his generation. Guy was just very, very good for a very long time, um, and is deservingly going to finally get into the Hall of Fame this year. Moving on to Matt Holiday, who played from 2004 to 2018, also a teammate of uh, Todd Helton's for a few years. 
Um, Holiday is a very recognizable name. Also, he has a kid that's probably going to be one of the best players in baseball soon enough. So that's great. It's his first year on the ballot. Holiday had a, a very, 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 very good career. Again, if you're on this ballot, you had a good career. He had appeared in just over 1,900 games, had just under 8,000 plate appearances. He hit 316 home runs in his career, had over uh, 1,150 runs uh, scored and 1,220 RBI. He also stole over 100 bases. Didn't know that. That guy stealing 100 bases? That's kind of crazy. Like, he was not—I would not describe that man as fleet of foot. Uh, he hit 299, 379, 510 in his career, good for a 135 WRC+, plus, 49.3 career fan graphs war, and a career 44.5 baseball reference war. Ryan, Matt Holiday on your ballot and a Hall of Famer. I think, you know, if I had more room, like if I didn't, you know, you're limited to 10. We're not going to go past that. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to vote for 12 people because like the voters can't do that. Um, I think he has a compelling case to just stay on the ballot, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, I don't. Uh, doesn't have 50 war on either war metric, not an overwhelming prime, like a really good, again, I need to preface everything I'm saying here by, with what you opened with. This is a great ball player. This is a great, great baseball player, but we're comparing him to the greatest players of all time. So in terms of the peak, it's just not dominant enough to get over the lack of really, I mean, the lack of production in, you know, post age 34, right? Um, it sucks because another guy where, like, there was a point in his career where you would have sat back and said, this guy is going to get into the Hall of Fame, right? Like, there was a point in his career where you could have sat back and said, this guy's getting in. Like, it is, is, if he had what? If he maybe didn't get sick with the Yankees. If he had a little more defensive value. If he stayed a little bit healthier, right? If he puts together, like, another three-war year, maybe has two, three more years, I think I'm putting him in the Hall of Fame. No, that sounds a little crazy, but I think I'm doing it. Um, you know, he has really, I mean, the overall numbers are great. 290, he's, he's a tick below the 300, uh, mark, which I don't think it matters that much, but it's a cool accolade. 299, 379, 510, hit really well once he left Colorado, which like, suck it, people who think that hitters from Colorado are not actually good. Eat on that. Um, and great crew at St. Louis, won a World Series at St. Louis. Um, obviously, we don't know if he touched home. But who cares, right? Uh, no, but all serious, it's just a great career, right? Like I, and also doesn't do like coaching. I know he worked with Matt Carpenter a little bit. Yeah, he coaches. Um, I think he's a college coach, if I remember correctly. Right, and I think he worked with Bellinger. No, like I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. Hey, dude, just again another example of just a dude who had a great major league career who's just still in baseball. And you know, I know he's probably ecstatic at the idea of his son having a great career and maybe surpassing him, right? Like, look, I know that again. This idea that you're not a great or memorable player if you're not a Hall of Famer is just so insulting to what baseball is and so insulting to great players. If you were a baseball fan in this time span and you did not appreciate Matt Holiday for his greatness because he's not a Hall of Famer, like you're kind of a loser. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, Hall. I would say it's a borderline Hall of Fame peak. It's not like if the peak were just a little bit better. So if that 6.9 win season turns into an 8 win season. And those several four-win seasons turn into five-win seasons. He's a Hall of Famer, but the, that requires him to be good defensively, and he was just not. Like, like this is a case where you can argue that his defense really hurt him at the end of his career for sure. Um, but also, 
offensively, he was a Hall of Famer. He could really hit. Um, but he's not going to make my ballot, and I don't think he gets in. I'm not even sure he stays on the ballot, if I'm being honest here. I, I think he falls off. And maybe you could argue he shouldn't. Maybe he deserves to stay on, get some different looks. If you go by Bill James' Hall of Fame metric, he is at 110, which 100 is a Hall of Famer. Um, and which, you know, if that's something that you value, I don't know why you would, but like, if that's something you value, yeah, I could see it. Again, you know, does have a World Series, four-time Silver Slugger, you know, seven-time All-Star. I, just a really good career, man. Just somebody who had a very, very good career. And, you know, I think if he gets some votes, I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, certainly deserving. I don't know if I, maybe I could get there one day just to like keep him on the ballot. If it really came down to it, if somebody did something terrible and I have to like remove them from my ballot. Um, but right now I'm going to lean towards no, uh, and I don't think he gets in. So that leaves us to Tori Hunter, another outfielder who's kind of like the inverse of Matt Holiday, right? Like Holiday is this great offensive outfielder who's not really known for his glove, didn't play a very long time, but Torrey Hunter played forever and wasn't like an amazing hitter, but was a very good defender um, and played from 1997 to 2015, played on a bunch of different teams and everything. Uh, he played in just under 2,400 games, had just under 10,000 plate appearances. Uh, he hit, uh, he really hit that many home runs? Yes, he did. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that. He hit 353 home runs. That's crazy. Good for him. I definitely wouldn't have thought it was that high. Would you? Would you have expected 353 home runs? No, that is a large. That is a pretty. That, that's a pretty substantial number. Um, yeah. Good for him. My God. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just under 1,300 uh, runs scored. Just under 1,400 RBI. Uh, just under 200 stolen bases. A career 277, 331, 461 hitter. Good for a 110 WRC plus. He had a career. 43 uh, Fangraphs war, but a career 50.7 baseball reference war. He was a five-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glove winner, and a two-time Silver Slugger. Ryan, is Tory Hunter a Hall of Famer, and is he on your ballot? Uh, no. Fell off. He just didn't have, like, not fell off. He just didn't have, like, those, it's just the peak, right? Like, it really feels like if he had, you know, a five win win a five, like a couple more five win years or you know like as you mentioned with holiday right like let's take um his 2002 season where he had a 122 wrc plus if that wasn't a 4.2 f4 season and let's say more like a 5.2 war season right and then you turn some of those two year win two year seasons into three or three and a half then he's in he just the peak isn't there the overall war isn't there like if this was a 60 war player this is a hall of famer right um i think when you lack those dominant seasons, you have to get a little bit closer to 60, right? Um, you know, like Bobby Abreu wasn't ever the best player in baseball, right? And he never really had like that 9-10 win season. But he crosses that 60 war threshold, right? So he's in for me. Right? He's like, also, he was one of the 10 best players in baseball. Right. For you several know, it's, years. It's like, the way I would look at it is, you either have to have a ton of war uh, and a ton, like 60 is a, I, I don't care what people say. That's a 60 lot. is a shit ton of war, right? We're talking a Hall of Famer, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you like, I, I, I always see like people are like, hey, if this prospect became a 50 war player, is their career a success? And then yes! like, it's like people are like, actually, it'd be kind of disappointing. It's like, 
shut up, no, you're wrong, it's a success. Like, uh, that's a different conversation for a different day. But, I think you have to put up a shit ton of war, or if you're not going to put up a lot of war for a Hall of Famer, you need to have a crazy peak, right? So, um, you know, I think Sandy Koufax is obviously the best example of this, of like, the war, career-wise, suggests, hey, is this guy, like, not, is this guy not just like a Mark Burley? Well, look at the peak years, that's why he's in, right? Um, And deservedly so. So, you know, I just don't think he has the peak years to go with uh, lesser war than your average Hall of Famer. What I'll say about Torrey Hunter is, if he's not in the Angels Hall of Fame, maybe he should be. He was great for the Angels. Really, really good player for them. Um, the problem with Torrey Hunter is when the bat got good, the glove didn't really keep up. Which is, I mean, kind of funny, don't you think? Like, in his in his age... 32 seasons till his age 38 season he was a very like solid good hitter and the glove was kind of inconsistent after being like one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball for so many years but the bat was inconsistent I find that funny um yeah I just it's like it's just not good enough right like it, it it's he is like the quintessential definition of hall of very good when you think of Hall of Very Good, I think of Torrey Hunter. That's immediately the first guy I think of. He's a good player. Um, he's at 6.9% uh, on the ballot. This is his fourth year on there. You know, depending on how things go and everything, there's a decent chance that this might be the year he falls off with people like, you know, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, uh, Chase Utley coming on. So it, it wouldn't shock me if he fell off the ballot this year. But... Um, a very good player, deserving to be on this ballot, doesn't get my vote, but, you know, again, if you vote for him, I could potentially see the argument beyond just, oh, I think he deserves to stay on. I think it gets a lot harder than that, but, yeah, I mean, no for me, too. Um, so, ultimately, Tory Hunter is coming up short here. Um, moving on to Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones, uh, famously the Atlanta center fielder for many, many years. He played from 1996 to 2012, uh, 17-year career. Um, across those 17 years, Jones had you know some very memorable moments, including you know uh, making the World Series in 1996 and 1999. And hitting a 50 home run season and you know, winning 10 straight gold gloves. He played in just under 2,200 games, had just under uh, 8,700 plate appearances, hit 434 home runs, 1204 runs scored, just under 1,300 RBI, 152 stolen bases, a career 254, 337, 46 hitter, good for a 111 WRC plus. He also had 67 career Fangraphs war and 62.7 career baseball reference war. Ryan, is Andrew Jones on your ballot, and do you think he gets into the Hall of Fame? So, as a player, yes, right? Like, from a player's standpoint, yes, I think so. I understand he fell off after his age 30 season, but as a player, production-wise, the war, the defensive metrics, all that stuff, like, I think Foolish Baseball puts it best. The best defensive center fielder, hit like 400 home runs or 300 home runs, whatever it may be. And that probably should get you into the Hall of Fame. But as we opened with, you know, off the field stuff matters, not just to you, but to me as well, right? Um, you know, I ultimately believe um, 
you know, I think he'll get in. Um, but I won't, uh, if I had a vote, I just wouldn't contribute to that. Um, you know, end of the day, uh, it is a clause. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it doesn't matter that there are bad people currently in the hall of fame. There are shitty players in the, oh, not shitty players. Excuse me. That's very, that's not what I want to go with here. There are players worse than some guy, than a lot of guys that we've talked about on this ballot. We would not vote for who are not, who are in the hall of fame. Right. Um, that doesn't mean we should continue to vote for players who don't belong, right? Like, you know what I mean? Um, I, it's kind of that same concept, right? You talk about this, right? Like it's just because there is doesn't mean there ought to be, right? That whole uh, idea. So for me, Andrew Jones, I would not vote for him. He is a Hall of Fame caliber player. That, in my opinion, um, cannot be denied. But again. That's just how I feel about this. And I, and I imagine that moral dilemma, I don't know if it's a dilemma as much as it is just like, it's pretty clearly, you know, like shouldn't, like it's just not, like the moral thing is bad enough. That's how I stand on this, you know? Yeah, I mean, if I had a vote, Andrew Jones is the kind of guy that would keep me up at night. Because on the field, again, best defensive center fielder, ever paired with a guy and hit 434 home runs and had almost a career 500 slugging on the field. It's really hard to argue that he wasn't deserving, but you know, you get accused and credibly accused of domestic violence. And it's really hard to ignore that. It just when he gets in, cause he's going to get in. He, he was at, um, Let's see here. He was at 58% uh, on the ballot. There's a chance he gets in this year. I don't think so, but I think he definitely gets in next year. I think he's this year's Billy Wagner, um, where he comes up just short. Or maybe this year's Todd Helton, I should say. Um, the voters are going to have to reconcile with that. He's going to get in one day. And they're going to have to sit there and say to themselves, we just voted this guy in. Was that the right decision? Like, not to bring up Barry Bonds, because I hate Barry Bonds discourse again guys greatest player of all time but he was very had a very bad domestic violence accusation against him ultimately not in the hall of fame because he did steroids but is that the right result bad process maybe you could you could like I certainly think that way I think you could make the argument here with Andrew Jones I just I don't know I, I should this matter does it matter if we're again I view it as you're a Hall of Famer if you represent the game in the best way, both on the field and off the field. And I'm not sure that Andrew Jones does that. So he doesn't get my vote. Um, it, it sucks, but if I really had a vote, I'd certainly be, I, I, I'd, I'd be struggling. He'd be a guy I really, really struggle with. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. He would keep me up at night. That's for sure. Like, if there are voters out there who don't even consider it, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that, man. Like, good for you, I guess. Also, you know, end of the day, like, I know there's some people who are like, oh, this isn't the hall of good guys. You know what I mean? Well, there's a character clause, right? Like, if it's in there, gonna fact you. You have to consider it. You as can't long as just it's say, a thing. You could say it's dumb. I don't think it is, but you can say it's dumb. It doesn't matter. It's in there, right? Like, that's like when people complain about, oh, this ruling is stupid. Well, it's the rules, right? Like, this is a rule. I must vote by this. 
how am I going to say I'm voting by everything involved with the Hall of Fame and then say, oh yeah, a guy with credible domestic violence accusations. He checks that box. He doesn't. Um, and, you know, it's a part of it too is there is a celebration about this. Is that the type of guy you want to celebrate, right? Right. That is another factor of this too. That was an I, argument that was used for Kirk Schilling was, is this the kind of guy you want to hear give a speech and celebrated? And a lot right. of people were like, no. And so. if like, for me, it's like, if you're a baseball writer and your line is drawn at, you know, if your line is drawn at Kurt Schilling, which I agree with, right? Like, I think that line should be drawn there. Um, I think the line should be drawn at what Andrew Jones did too. Um, that's how I view it. I don't want to get into that discussion of what's worse because I think that's not a productive conversation at all, right? Like, and if you're going to, not even a little bit, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, enter a conversation with what's worse and you're trying to downplay one of the two, it doesn't matter in what favor you're it's, arguing. Yeah, it's in. not gonna go well. Yeah, like you suck as a person, had. probably. So I don't think you. I want to hear you talk about it. So uh, that's my uh, two cents on that. I'm not trying to take up too much more time. So sorry to Victor Martinez. Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, also not a great person. James Shields, um, you guys, I think we can both agree, uh, not not even staying on the ballot. So we're not really gonna go too far into it with them. Both of them, all of them, listen, they had good careers and stuff. Some of them highlighted by some great years in there and everything. James Shields, mainly known for uh, not great reason now, I guess, because the Fernando Tatis trade, but he was a pretty good player back in the day. So I'm gonna lead off now with Joe Maurer. Um, Joe Maurer, who spent his entire career with the Twins, did win an MVP in 2009, was a catcher, converted to first baseman, um, which I I honestly think makes his case a lot tougher. Um, another guy who played from 2004 to 2018. We got a lot of 2004 to 2018 guys on here. You notice that? Like, there was a lot of guys who played during that time period. Um, he played just uh, over 18, uh, sorry, 1850 games, had just under 8,000 plate appearances, only hit 143 home runs, if that's something that you value. Uh, had over 1,000 runs scored and just under 930 RBI. He hit a very remarkable 306, 388, 439. Good for a 123 WRC+. Plus. Had 53 career fan graphs war and a career 47.1 baseball reference war. Again, had an MVP in his career. Very great peak. But, Ryan, is Joe Maurer a Hall of Famer, and does he get your vote? I think because of the time he spent as a catcher, I'm going to say yes. Very slim. I think this is the one where, like, I'm like, you know, if you don't agree, I get it, right? Um, But I do think Fangraphs for catchers is more, like, once we're talking about war here, I think Fangraphs just does a better job of this. We actually didn't have tracked framing data for the first four years of his career, according to Fangraphs. I'm going to check his baseball prospectus war um, and see what that spits out, because I think that at least is relevant to the conversation, given the lack of defensive data. I think that there are enough variables working in his favor in terms of things we can't quantify very well. And, you know, like the defense I mentioned earlier, um, and the fact that he had an unbelievable peak. And, you know, I... Is part of this that he was a guy that is likable? And is, is that maybe swinging my favor a little bit here? It could be. Like, maybe I'm remembering him more fondly than I should. Um, and I'm I'm willing to accept that. He had 50 
uh, warp, by the way, on uh, baseball prospectus. And according to the defensive data, um, the he had a yeah, he was a great he had great defensive seasons. It's actually his best defensive season on baseball prospectus came prior to when Fangraphs are tracking defensive data. Would he have pushed 60 war or, you know, a little bit closer to 60 war with the advent of framing data at the time that would have benefited him? Maybe. Um, I'm willing to make that argument. I'm willing to sit here and argue the lack of defensive data, the great offensive numbers, the unbelievable peak, the MVP season, the really the standards for catcher are a little bit lower because of the way the position has historically played. I'm willing to give him the Hall of Fame ballot. I'm willing to put him on my Hall of Fame ballot. I'm willing to put him in the Hall of Fame. Would he be a quote-unquote first ballot Hall of Famer? No. Do I think the concept of first ballot Hall of Famer is stupid? Yes. You're either in or you're not to me. You know what I mean? You either are or you are not. Um, And I think it's just a waste of time. Like, you're just dragging the process on unnecessarily. I would like to see these guys get into the Hall of Fame uh, and and have them see it, right? Um, I think he's a Hall of Famer. That's, I think, a little... I'm, I'm arguing a couple things that are a little subjective, but I think they're not, like, hypotheticals. It's, he played those years... Those, those data points do exist, it just doesn't exist on fan graphs. And, of course, baseball reference doesn't factor framing that much. Yeah, Maurer is about as borderline as you can get for me. Because the peak from 2005 to 2013, so a nine-year peak, 45, essentially, fan graphs war, 134 WRC+, plus, 323, 406, 466, walked more than he struck out, and did that primarily while playing catcher and being pretty good defensively. That 2011 season where he missed most of the year and everything and wasn't particularly good when he did play, at least offensively, man, like, if he doesn't get hurt that year and, you know, finds a way to get the offensive groove going, I think he becomes like a, all right, yeah, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. But because of that, I I get held up. Because after 2013, it's not that pretty. Like, it, there's basically just a bunch of slightly above average offense while playing first base. So if you told me that you think Joe Maurer's not a Hall of Famer, I'm not really going to argue with you. I can totally understand that argument. Again, by Bill James metric, he's a 92. Not that that's anything, but for some people, that matters. Um, he did have a 39 war 7 uh do you really have 55.2 fangraphs or baseball reference? Yeah, so it's good. Like 53 and 55.2. Um, three gold gloves, six all-stars, the MVP. Some people ding him too much for staying in staying in Minnesota. It's kind of weird how he's viewed there, by the way. It's like a weird conversation around Joe Maurer in Minnesota. Have you ever noticed that? They, they, tr- they talk about him in a very strange way. But I've not going to lie. I like I I kind of just assume they like him, so I, maybe I'm like it's weird. They do like him, but they're mad at him because he like signed that big contract extension, and then they weren't very good for most of that extension, and they blamed him because they wouldn't pay players and stuff. It's just not blaming the right people. They should have blamed well, the ownership group. Uh, you know, like I just to throw this out there. You know, typically, you know, like if it's like the the Craig Council thing, where it's like Brewers has like, why he this snake? He left us. Like this is our like. This is a, like... If you don't win, you, you, you're automatically doing something wrong. Not, not even much. just that. Like, okay, person who's criticizing said player or manager for taking money. 
if you were offered a significant raise, one you like to change your family and make your family, like you guarantee that your, your kids, your spouse, your mom or your dad, your siblings, whatever it may be, will never have to worry about money and their descendants will never have to worry about money again. Are you saying like, Max, you really going to say no to that? Right. Is your, are you going to, is, you know, you know, you work with the nationals, right? Like you think that you're going to be like, oh, I would never go work with the, the Phillies, my NL East rivals. Oh, like you think you'd be like, oh, but you grew up a Yankee fan. If the Red Sox offered you a six figure salary, you'd be like, no, it's the Red Sox. I'd never like, come on. <laughs> People got to grow up, man. I'm sorry. Like, this, this shit's so funny to me. Like, oh my God. You're, are you serious about that, by the way? Like, is that like a real thing with the, with, with Twins fans? I'm not like trying to. No, they have, they have. It's a weird conversation with them about Joe Mallon. It's very strange. I don't understand it. Uh, but sure. <laughs> he's on my ballot. I think he gets in eventually. Like, I think he's going to hit like 45 to 50% of the vote this year. Um, now, here's what I'll say. If he hits like under 35% of the vote, that would be a little alarming because again, you know, there's, you could argue there's like 12, 13 players that could get votes this year, but if, knowing the way voters vote, if Maurer's not coming out with like a pretty good percentage his first year, that would be kind of concerning. Um, Right. Moving on to uh, Andy Pettit. It's his sixth year on the ballot. He got 17% of the vote last year. You and I are, 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 are very big fans. Um, he played for quite a long time, um, 1995 to 2010, then was technically retired in 2011, came back in 2012, played in 2013. So he played 18 seasons. Um, and for those 18 seasons, he had a 256 153 record he made uh 521 starts appeared in 531 games pitched in just over 3300 innings has a career era of 3.85 which isn't sparkling and a, but a career fip of 3.74 68.2 fangrafts war career 86 era minus 83 fip minus and also a career 60.2 baseball reference war ryan Andy Pettit, Hall of Famer, and is he on your ballot? Andy Pettit is on my ballot. Andy Pettit is a Hall of Famer. Andy Pettit was not suspended for PED usage. And if Pudge is in and if Big Poppy's in, Andy Pettit has – what's the difference between Andy Pettit and, and, pa- and not Pedro, my, my glorious King Pedro Martinez. There is a difference. Uh, and, you know, David Ortiz, right? Uh, what's the difference in terms of PED usage? Doesn't exist, Right. I think Pettit's also a little unique. He used it to come back from an injury. And I will say this, and this is a fair argument. Am I going to trust his word on what he used it for? Right. No. He did I'm sorry. Testi- he did testify about it and Roger Clemens' usage about it. So, I mean, he was under, like, the law, which you could be like, oh, nobody's ever lied under it before. And I was like... I watch. I'm not going to get network. into like the, yeah. I'm not going to so. get into the serious legalities of lying under the law or anything like that. But I do want to throw that out there. Yeah, no, I was saying like I watched the social network and I immediately thought of the line of like, uh, so I guess that's the first time anybody's lied under oath. But no, in all seriousness, I mean, from what like what we know about his PED usage, he was not suspended. Um, we can't like I can't just assume everything else. I would vote like I would have voted for Sammy Sosa. So like. It's not like this is against my voting trends, if you get what I'm saying. Um, he had an 86 ERA minus, an 83 fit minus, and made over 500 starts and pitched a crap ton of innings and has 68 F4 and what? I think he has 60 baseball reference war. 
he crosses my war thresholds. I did mention I need a little bit of a higher war in order for me to put you in if you don't have an insane peak. And I'd say he hits that threshold. He's nearly at a 70. We're getting to that 65, 70 range. I think you are a Hall of Famer. I think you automatically, like, you know what I mean? I think you just, we're, we're getting too high of a war for me to, like, try to be nitpicky here. Um, obviously, the, the way that starting pitching is going, going forward, um, I don't think that we're going to see many starters occur more war than Eddie Pettit does for a good amount of time, man. Like, I don't even, like, Garrett Cole's not getting there. I don't think he's getting 68.2, man. I, it's going to take a lot. Like, you're going to get 23 war in your from your age 33 to your age, what, 38, 39 seasons? That's a lot of freaking war, man. Uh, that's a lot of, you know, need to stay healthy and pitch a lot. And you need baseball to not trend towards pitching less, right? Um, the guy's great. And, and look, I know that your postseason career, I don't think your postseason career should hurt you. But it can't but help. I, I think it should be extra credit. This is how I view postseason stuff. It's extra credit. It doesn't hurt you, but it helps you. Um, he has the most postseason innings pitched ever. He has an 83 ER, 84 ERA minus in the postseason. Um, I, like, come on, you know, like he was a big game pitcher. He had that reputation, and he was for the most. He had some blow ups there, but yeah, you know, like he had some World Series starts. Where it's like, ugh, that's not in good. In 2009, he he was the winner in every single clinching game of the postseason that year. So I mean, he he pitched well when it mattered. Like, and it's not like his best years were like. It's not like his best the best stretch of his career was any like slouch year so 1996 to 2005 he had an 82 era minus right like it's pretty damn good uh if i say so myself he aged pretty well like if you he look was pretty at, good his last year yeah right like if you look at his his final stint with the yankees so at second stint he comes back um from houston freaking retires <laughs> and then comes back uh had a 90 era minus um 88 fit minus I, i'm sorry i just the way i view it is he did like he had 68 war in the regular season and then he pitched more postseason innings than anybody else like and he was good in the postseason and in the regular season so it's like this is petty jack morris is in god damn it let me get eddie pettit in he has my vote and so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out three pitchers cc sabathia zach Greinke, and tom glavin you know what they all have in common they threw more innings than andy pettit but have less career fan graphs war I would say all three of those guys are Hall of Famers. Pettit did steroids, and that's why he's probably not in. I think if Pettit doesn't do steroids, I think he's got he might already be in, in my opinion. I think that's that, that's a holdup for a lot of people. I think that I compare Pettit to Glavin quite a bit because they pitched at roughly the same time, um, and everything. But I think the difference between Pettit and Glavin is Glavin had a three point five four ERA, Pettit had a three point eight five. Not denying that, and Glavin obviously had a Cy Young and was part of those great Atlanta teams and part of those great Atlanta rotations. But I do want to remind people who was playing shortstop for Andy Pettit for most of his career. And Pettit was a ground ball pitcher. I'm not saying that another Hall of Famer might be keeping another you know potential guy out of the Hall of Fame, but I'm just saying that if he had a better defensive shortstop, maybe his ERA is a little bit lower. I'm just saying. I don't think Pettit gets in, but I do think he's a good veterans committee candidate. Very popular amongst the players. Um, you have a lot of people who really, really like him. You know, from all intents and purposes, an extremely nice guy. So, yeah, I, I think he gets in. Um, maybe be a, a, via veterans committee, but he he certainly isn't going to uh, get in. 
anytime soon based on the writers. But I agree with you. I would I would vote for him. Um, next on the list is Manny Ramirez. Manny is complicated in numerous ways. He played just over 2,300 games, had just under 9,800 plate appearances, hit 555 home runs, drove in um, over 1,800 men, had over 1,500 runs scored. He hit a whopping 312, 411, 585, good for a 153 WRC plus, a 66.4 career fangraphs war, and a very, very strong 69.3 baseball reference war. Does have multiple steroid use allegations and then actually was suspended for it, and also was suspended for domestic violence as well at the end of his career. He is on the eighth year of his ballot. Uh, this is maintained a pretty stable 33.2% on the ballot. Ryan, I think we can agree here. Doesn't make either of our ballots. Won't make it to the Hall of Fame either. Yeah. Um. Look, obviously when he was playing, great player, all that stuff, fun player, everything like that. But we've gotten a suspension, not just for PEDs, which honestly, the fact that you got sus- he got suspended for PEDs and it's not the most egregious suspension on his resume just not right. a good sign. Like that alone, yeah. it's done. The Hall of Fame case is done. I don't want to celebrate his career um, because of the last thing. Was a great hitter, obviously. Like there's great postseason hitter. Like nobody, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's a person on planet Earth who's like, was Manny Ramirez a good player? Was he a great player? Like everybody knows the answers to that question. It's just everything else, right? Um, an example, like, and, you know, we don't know if he needed steroids or not to be good. You know, I don't know if players need steroids to be good or just to stay on the field, right? Like, I, I kind of made this observation with my dad where it's like, you know, people call a lot of players nowadays soft. Well, it's is it because they just don't have access to, you know... The things that were keeping guys on the field right, beforehand? You know, uh, I think that matters a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, the, it's the second... It's the suspensions for those reasons that you mentioned that make him not a hall of famer. And that's all I have to say. Yeah. It undeniably one of the best right-handed hitters the base baseball's ever seen, but I can't vote for him. I just in my, in my conscious, I, I, I know I can't do it. Um, next up is the other guy who was suspended for PEDs on this uh, ballot. And that's Alex Rodriguez, who on the field was the best player on this ballot. And it's actually not even close. Like, He's probably what one of the ten best players ever, borderline, right? I mean, dude's truly incredible. Um, he played from 1994 to 2016, though he did miss all of 2014 when he was suspended for PEDs. Three-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, you know, just truly incredible. Played for both, uh, played for the Mariners. Rangers and Yankees. He played in just under 2,800 games. Had over 12, uh, had over 12,200 plate appearances. Hit 696 home runs. Drove in uh, 2086 men. Had 2021 runs scored. Stole 329 bases. Hit 295, 380, 550. Good for a 141 WRC plus. A career 113. Fangraphs war and a 117.5 baseball reference war. Uh, won a World Series in 2009. Was I believe the uh, could was he he was wasn't the ALCS MVP of that year though, right? That was CC Sabathia, right? Um, so 
you know, some postseason people get mad at him, but clearly the best player on this ballot was suspended for PEDs. Ryan, you already said that if you're suspended for PEDs, he's not making your ballot, but do you think he gets into the Hall of Fame one day? I think maybe. I think he's going to rehabilitate his image to make it a conversation, but yeah, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, obviously, um, because he was suspended. Um, I I have an A-Rod jersey hanging over my bed, right? That was my first jersey ever. My first glove ever was an A-Rod model glove, right? Like one of those, like, you know, like it's it's the glove that this player uses, right? It was just a really smaller one because I was a baby, obviously. I wore 13 because of him. It was my favorite player growing up. I'm not making exceptions. I'm not. Um, I'm going to stick to my word here, right? Like I was not, he was suspended for it. And, you know, as you mentioned, far and away, like clear cut, like, significantly better than everybody else on this list. Not even close. But, I mean, it's sad because he didn't have to take steroids. And he would have been an instant Hall of Famer. Easily. Not even close. But, you know, also on top of that, like, I know that he's rehabilitated his image more now. But, man, I mean, some of the off-field distractions were just, I mean, nauseating. You sue the the team, right? Like, you... I, I know, I'm not saying, you know, that... You know, I'm not saying the poor, innocent, multi-billion dollar corporation Yankees, right? Like, I'm not trying to be that person. But there were a lot of things that just, the off-field stuff wasn't great. It wasn't like, you know, bad as in like morally compromising the way you would talk about Manny Ramirez or, uh, you know, Andrew Jones. Um, but still enough where it's like, it's not the he's not the victim of that story. You know what I mean? So uh, it's like he's the hero of that. Um, so got suspended for PD usage and... Uh, that's, you know, kind of an off-field distraction, too. So I don't think that's going to help him too much. But I think he'll rehabilitate his image enough to at least get close, you know? So he's maintained his percentages his third year on the ballot. He got, like, 31% his first year, and then he was, like, 33% last year. I don't think he gets in. I just don't think it happens. I, I think if they didn't let in Bonds and they didn't let in Clemens and he got suspended, I think people would just... Be like, yeah, why should I vote for him? I don't think they're wrong for that. He makes my ballot, but of all the people who make my ballot, he's probably the one I feel the worst about. Like, just, it's just tough. I Undeniably, one of the 10 best players ever. He didn't do anything, like, objectively that awful, right? And that's where I'm like, like, it don't feel good to vote for him, but he didn't do anything that, like, I morally, like, really disagree with. So, other than, like, the rampant steroid usage. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he makes my cut. I don't, he's not getting in, so I'm not sure they have to worry about that. But it it really sucks, because if he had just not been stupid, he would have coasted in. He's one of the most talented players the game's ever seen. And so he could, he could erode that into, into glory, but he decided not to. So, I mean, his war seven is better than like most guys careers. Like that's how good he was. I mean, his war seven, I think his war seven, which is 63, 64.3 would actually be the sixth highest baseball reference war on this ballot. That's how good he was. And he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame because he chose to do steroids and then got suspended for it. So, got to live with that. Um, Moving on to K-Rod, who is, last I checked, fourth all-time in saves. He had 437 of them. 
He pitched just under a thousand innings. Um, he had a pretty solid overall career: two point eight six ERA, three point three one FIP, sixteen point three Fangraphs WAR, sixty nine ERA minus, eighty FIP minus, twenty four point two Baseball Reference WAR, six time All Star, has the single season uh, saves record with sixty two. Um, does have some off the field issues. Um, he is on his uh, second year on the ballot where he received 10.8% of the vote last year. Ryan Francisco Rodriguez making your ballot. And does he get in one day? Um, off field issues. It's over for me, right? Like, um, right. I think yeah. he had a compelling, like legitimately compelling reliever case. Um, like beyond that, right? like I think there was a legitimate, like, Hey, this guy could be, you know, this guy's one of the best relievers of all time. And, and you know, if you look at the numbers compared to other guys, he definitely deserves a nod. Um, but, yeah, the off-field stuff, right? Like, I, I mentioned, I, I should clarify, everything I said prior to, to that sentence about how great he was was without factoring in the off-field stuff. Now when we factor that in, yeah. It is kind of crazy, though, how he was so bad his last year that it, like, really impacted his career stats. Like, it... It took a nice, awful. yeah, it took a pretty big chunk out of his, like, counting stats. His ERA shot up by, like, it shot up from 273 to 286. His tip shot up 320 to 331. He had a clean 17 war and 25 uh, baseball reference war. Um, and those both dropped by a win each, almost. Um, a win on fa- baseball reference, 0.7 um, on fan graphs. Again, like, would this be a really compelling case? Um, without off-field stuff, absolutely. Um, but again, um, what, what, am I going to sit here and say, yeah, I wouldn't vote for, uh, Andrew Jones, but sure, let, you know, let, um, Francisco Rodriguez in. It's not going to work for me. Um, so, yeah, he's not, he's not a Hall of Famer in my eyes because of the off-field stuff. I think there was a case if he had stayed clean off the field. Completely agree. I don't really have anything to add other than like I don't think I would have voted for him even if he didn't have the off the field stuff. I think his reliever case is strong, but I like it's just not good enough essentially to like override the fact that he was a reliever. Um, so moving on, Jimmy Rollins is the next guy up, famous for playing for the Phillies, won an MVP there, three time All Star. Um, Rollins is carried pretty heavily here by defense but he did play just under 2300 games had over had just under uh 10 250 plate appearances hit 231 home runs scored 1421 runs drove in 936 had 470 stolen bases hit 264 324 418 good for a 95 wrc plus career fangrass war of 49 49.6 47.6 baseball reference war um Never won a gold glove, I believe. Um, not entirely sure. Let me just double check, but I don't think he did. Oh, no, he did. He won several gold gloves. Well, I don't know how I got that wrong. He won four gold gloves. Um, Ryan, four-time gold glove winner, MVP, famous Philly. Is he making your ballot, and do you think he makes it in? Um, not a Hall of Famer to me, but I, I taught looking at him the way I looked at Jose Bautista, Matt Holliday, a couple of other guys, uh, in this podcast, great career, right? Like, 
you're on this ballot. That's awesome. I think he'll get more votes than he probably should because, you know, he's a legend. Because of the MVP. Yeah. And, you know, he spent a long time in a pretty big market, right? Like, he spent a lot of time with a pretty good Philadelphia Phillies team. So, it's not like he's a slouch either. Like, what? You know, a guy with 47.6 war getting consideration for the Hall of Fame is far from the worst thing ever. I mean, we're going to talk. I don't. I actually, or I don't, yeah, no, we are going to talk about him. He is on this ballot, uh, unfortunately. Um, but, like, would I rather have him or Omar Vizquel conversations? I'd rather have Jimmy Rollins conversations about the Hall of Fame. So, uh, yeah, you know, great career, just doesn't have enough, right? I think the offensive numbers are just what's really lacking here. Yeah, I can't let in a guy with a 95 WRC plus who wasn't, like, a whiz defensively. He was good defensively, not great. And he also won an MVP. He doesn't deserve like yeah no like I can't I can't do it I I don't even listen people have voted for him and I really kind of just don't understand how uh it it's just not not good enough for me um the next guy on our list is another complicated uh figure because he also has off the field issues as I said there are a lot of guys on this ballot who have had problems and everything and it's not super fun and it makes it kind of but you know that's sports, unfortunately, but that's Gary Sheffield, who played 21 years from 1998 to 2009. It's his last year on the ballot. He played in 2,576 games, had just under 1,100 plate appearances, hit 509 home runs, uh, scored 1,636 runs, and drove in six, uh, 1,676 guys, had 253 stolen bases. I didn't know that. That's pretty impressive. Uh, hit 292, 393, 514, good for a 141 WRC plus, 62.1 uh, career Fangraphs war, and a 60.5 career baseball reference war. Uh, nine-time All-Star, 1997 World Series title, five-time Silver Slugger, one of the most iconic stances of all time. But Ryan, unfortunately, he has been accused of battery by multiple women, and I think for both of us, that once again leaves him off of our balance. 100%. Um, and considering that, like, that's it. Like, that's that's it. Conversation's over for me. Um, obviously, again, like, kind of in the same situation as Manny Ramirez. Like, great career, all that stuff. Not undeni- like, undeniably a great player, all that. Off-field stuff, that cans it for me. Um, so, yeah, that's where I stand on this. Great hitter. Even if he didn't have the off-field stuff, he did bring his son into the world. And I can't really, I don't know if I can forgive that, you know? His son has been a plague on, you know, baseball discourse for too many years now. I think that would be a legitimate reason to keep him off. Like, hey, learn how to control yourself, bud. Why'd you give us Gary Sheffield Jr.? God damn Yeah, it. again, like, look, guys, um, you know, I understand the temptations there, right? Uh, kids are great, I understand, um, but... Put on a rubber, pull out, um, you know, get committed to the game, right? You know, no premarital sex, all that stuff. Anyways, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Kendrick Perkins on the podcast with me? I was um, going to say, shout out that one, what is it, John Anderson? Is that his name? Like, the guy who was like, the Bauer stuff comes out, and he's like, the problem here is that premarital sex is going on. Like, oh, yeah, that was yourself, crazy. Dude. That like, was a crazy Go tweet. fuck yourself, man. Like, dude, oh, was, my God. Wild. Like, this is, right. Some people don't deserve to have Twitter, but it's fine. Uh, moving on to probably one of my favorite candidates on the ballot. Um, I will say this about Gary Sheffield. He's at 55% in his last year. There's a decent chance he gets in. I'm not, I'm, I I actually think it's possible. He already picked up one vote. So, and we're through two ballots. So something to keep in mind. I think there's a decent chance he gets in. Um, but onto my favorite 
uh, one of my favorite cases on the ballot outside of Bobby Abreu and one I was super psyched to get to. And that's Chase Utley, the longtime Philly second baseman, played in just under 1950 career games, had just under 8,000, uh, 7,900 plate appearances, hit 259 home runs, scored a little over 1,100 runs, had a little over uh, 1,000 RBI, stole 154 bases, hit 275, 358, 465, good for a 118 WRC+. plus. 61.6 career Fangrass war, 64.5 career baseball reference war, a six-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, and did uh, not actually win a gold glove, but probably should have because he was pretty damn good defense. Yeah, I know, that's cr- kind of crazy, right? Um, didn't win a gold glove, but Ryan, Chase Utley, on your ballot, and do you think he makes it into the Hall of Fame one day? This one's kind of tough. Was like Andrelton Simmons fucking playing second base in 2008? Like, what the fuck? Dude, I don't know what happened. I really have no idea. Like, he, he looked, if he had won all the awards that he probably should have, I think this is an easy conversation. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get bold here. He is, in my eyes, he is a Hall of Famer. I, I'm not gonna go as far as to ban the people who don't vote for him, but definitely given, like, you gotta explain yourself if you don't vote for him, in my eyes. Um, he lacks a lot of traditional counting stats. I will say that. He doesn't even have 2,000 hits, which right. I'm not saying that like that matters, but like for a lot of people, that is something they would consider. And look, I'm not saying it shouldn't matter, but like we had this conversation actually before the podcast, right? Um, we were like, man, it's a shame that Willie Randolph isn't in the Hall of Fame, right? Like the numbers are there, right? Like the war, we can't, like, just because a player doesn't have a traditional Hall of Fame case does not mean we should discount their player value, right? I think that the fact that we think a whole, like a Hall of Famer should look like this amount of production, not this amount of, oh, he needs to have these amount of hits, these amount of home runs. Like, do you remember when people were like, if Stalin Castro gets 3,000 hits, he's going to get into the Hall of Fame? That was what crazy. What the fuck, guys? Like we Nick have... Markakis. Remember the Nick Markakis? Oh, my gosh. Dude, look what we have. Like, look at all the information we have nowadays, guys. We have so many better resources to vote on. I see a 118 WRC+. Plus. That puts him in line with guys like Derek Jeter. I see 76.2 BSR. That's ridiculous, right? Like, that's really good. I see 100 and... Th- I, I mean, 100, 123 defensive runs saved at second base. Right? Like, look, I, I, I know that... You know, we don't really look at, like, defensive runs saved and, like, that exclusive club. But how many guys have, you know, how many guys have the base running value, a 118 WRC plus, and hundreds defensive runs saved at a position where fan graphs and baseball reference both give you both give you positive value for playing there? You know what I mean? Um, so, for my eyes, Max, if you show me this player resume, the things I vote for, war, OPS plus, base running value, defensive value, all those things, right? Kind of try to get a conglomerate, peaks, all that stuff. The peak is there. It's not like this is a player who just played at a good level for a long time. He had a 150 WRC plus in 2007. He had a uh, six-year stretch with a 136 WRC plus and 43.6 war. Um, he had, according to Fangraphs, Five straight years with seven or more war. I, you can, we can sit here and talk all day about like, again, the accomplishments, but what are we going to leave players who statistically are hall of famers out of the hall of fame because they don't have 2000 hits. I think that's silly to me. You know what I mean? That's all. From 2005 to 2010, not only was he clearly the best player on the Phillies, 
he was arguably one of like the five best players in baseball. He was really, really good. 7.3 baseball reference war, 7.3 baseball reference war, 7.8, 9.0, 8.2, 5.2, 5.8, sorry. <coughs> Great player. I mean, he, he, he's firmly on my ballot. The, the argument simply becomes, well, he didn't rack up a lot of the counting stats and stuff like that. Well, he didn't play. Like, he basically played from as an everyday player from age 26 to age um, 37. So 12 years as basically an everyday player. And that includes a year in 2015 where he got hurt. And in 2017, he was kind of more of a backup guy. So, yeah, I I think it's... I think it's an easy vote, yes, for me, and he's on my ballot. Um, moving on, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna even pull up the numbers because I don't want to. Omar Vizquel, he's on his seventh year of the ballot, 19.5 percent um, vote last year. He stood at shortstop for a very long time, and he racked up a lot of counting stats because of it. He's not a Hall of Famer. He also has horrible off the field allegations against them. Um, he lost. A t- he was probably getting in one day, and now he lost all that support. Um, so, yeah, uh, Omar Vizquel sucks. So we're moving on to a guy who could get in this year, and that's Billy Wagner, who's on the, his ninth year on the ballot. He had 68% of the vote last year, um, played for the Astros and the Mets, um, had very, very, very good career for them. Um, he had 422 saves. He pitched over 900 innings, and he also had, I believe, over 1,000 strikeouts, career 24 war, career 54 ERA minus, 63 FIP minus, 2.31 career raw ERA. Um, Probably the best strikeout reliever in baseball history. Just racked up strikeouts at an unreal rate. Um, Ryan, Billy Wagner, ninth year on the ballot. Do you think he gets in, and is he on your ballot? Billy Wagner, you are a Hall of Famer. Billy Wagner, um, hot take. Uh, I don't, I don't know if this is a hot take. It might be, it probably is. I think if I had to take one reliever to, uh, this is not. Don't worry, it's not a Mariano Rivera take. My, my Lord and Savior. I would never, never speak. This is you're saying he's the second best reliever. Of all I time. think he's the second best reliever of all time. I at agree least, with you. at least in terms of like. Who would I rather have at their best? I, I think I'm going Wagner. Now, does that make... Like, do I think Trevor Hoffman shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame? No, he should be. Um, I think Trevor Hoffman absolutely is a Hall of Famer. Um, and he's a great, great reliever and great closer. And these are great... The, the, it's it's Mariano Rivera, Gap, and then, like, the Billy Wagner, uh, Trevor Hoffman, like, that category. I think Wagner's got it again. He's just too similar to Hoffman to not be in... I think what kind of dings him a little bit is that he bounced around from a few teams. He didn't spend most of his career with one team. The saves, right? The saves are the big thing here. It's the saves not being, you know, where they are with Hoffman or Rivera, even though it's still a lot of saves, right? Like, we're, it's just not as many as Hoffman or Rivera. But again, like, kind of similar to Utley, it's like, we know players can contribute value without racking up saves. We know hit players can contribute value without having 200 hits a season, right? We know hitters can be great hitters despite that, or, you know, without 200 home runs, whatever it may be. We know that these counting stats, they don't always have to be what they need to look or what we traditionally have always assumed they have to look like or for these players to be Hall of Famers. And, I mean, you want to talk about a great retirement year? 
dude put up a 36 ERA minus with the Braves and then just said, fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> um, which I think is baller, man. You know, you go out and you check out 38.8% of batters and you're like, all right, see you guys. I'm done with this sport. Um, that's pretty baller. Um, so yeah, I think he's pretty, I don't think, I wouldn't say pretty clearly a Hall of Famer because some people have stipulations against voting for relievers, but I think given the context of the fact that there is a reliever, two relievers that I think are of his ilk, or he's slightly better than voted um, in already. Yeah, right. I I would have to I, I would have to give. We it also to had him. Goose Gossage in there. Lee Smith's already yeah. in there. Like you have relievers in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I was referring to Lee Smith and, and Hoffman. Rivera right. again. Rivera, my, my beloved king. I would never right. compare yes. anybody to my. You can't can't compare homework. anybody to. I I agree. Billy Wagner's on my ballot. I think he gets in this year. Again, I'd be very surprised if he didn't. Um, awesome dude too. Like he's spoken very openly about this process and everything for him and you know how much it means to him and everything and it should mean a lot to him he was a great great reliever some people like mad dog hold his postseason in non-success against him which is just dumb but he was extremely extremely good and we're gonna our last player on the ballot Mets third baseman David Wright you know Captain America um, he played in just under 1600 games had just under 6900 plate appearances hit 242 home runs 949 runs scored, 970 RBI, just under 200 stolen bases. Career 296, 376, 491 slash line, good for a 133 WRC plus, a 51.2 fan graphs war, and a 49.2 baseball reference war. Ryan, his first year on the ballot, getting into the Hall of Fame at any point, and does he make your ballot? Um, David Wright is not going to make it into the Hall of Fame. Um, and I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I used to think it, but the counting stat, not the counting stats, the counting war, really, right? Like, talked about this, like, is his peak that much better than, like, Matt Holliday's? No. I don't know if it is better than Matt Holliday's, right? And I'm not putting Matt Holliday in the Hall of Fame, so what am I going to do? Like, put David Wright in? Like, that doesn't feel fair. Would he have gotten in if he aged decently well after, you know, age 31 absolutely if he had like he could have had the andrew jones career and he doesn't have off field issues and he would have gotten in right like he would have been my opinion i would have been banging the table for david wright to get into the hall of fame but he doesn't have that so you know again we're not gonna do hypotheticals i don't do hypotheticals for hall of fame voting i don't do you know if he had just played a little bit more he'd get in so he should get in um i don't do that uh and also like the peak wasn't insane insane it was really good it just wasn't like generational right like it wasn't like we've never seen this before we will never see this again right like if you know what i think an example here would be if he was like 90 percent of what alex rodriguez was in his prime and then fell off of the age 31 season he gets that's in. fine that's a hall of famer right because he would have probably eclipsed 60 war um but yeah if you don't have a lot of war you need to have an insane prime he's he's this close he's like this you know another thing too He's, like, this close from being a Joe Maurer. It's really the positional split, I feel like, too. It's Joe Maurer as a catcher. Dade Wright was a third baseman, right? Like, I think there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, but it sucks, but he just missed. You know, I would love to see him in the whole yeah. thing, but... Yeah. He doesn't make my ballot. I think it's kind of hard to argue over certain guys who are borderline for right, too, which doesn't help. Um, I'm not sure he stays on i think there are a lot of people who want to see him stay on but he's not a hall of famer to me um again he made the all-star game i believe seven times in his career 
Uh, yeah, seven-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner, two-time Silver Slugger winner. It's just a lot of, like, that's really good. If it were just a little bit more, I think I could have been convinced. Um, he did have an eight-win season in 2007 and then followed it up with a seven-win season essentially in 2008. And then 2012, he was really good again. But then every season after that, there's only like three more pretty good seasons. Every season after that's just like average to above average. And that kind of hurts. If he just had a couple more just really good seasons, like literally just two or just one more elite season, I, I think it could have been in the cards for him. But ultimately, he, he's going to come up short um, and, and not make it in. So, Ryan, your ballot is Bobby Abreu, Carlos Beltran, Adrian Beltre. Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, Andy Pettit, Chase Utley, Billy Wagner, and Mark Burley. My ballot is Bobby Abreu, Carlos Beltran, Adrian Beltre, uh, Mark Burley, Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, Alex Rodriguez, Chase Utley, and Billy Wagner. So the only difference between our ballots is I voted for A-Rod and you didn't. Um, so pretty much lock and step. I think here's who, here's what I think. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, definitely getting in. Gary Sheffield falls just short, but he'll get in on a uh, veterans committee, I think. I think Chase Utley hits about 10 15% in his first year on the ballot. I think David Wright does not hit the 5% to stay on the ballot. Um, and I think Carlos Beltran gets over 60% of the vote this year. I agree with who's getting in. Um, historically speaking, again, this is not like a Hall of Fame voters group that just goes out and just says, fuck it, let's add 80% votes to this guy, right? Like, it's a it's a process, right? Like, it took Scott Rowland a, a good bit to way get in. Way too long. It took him right? way it too long to get It took him in. more than one year, which means it was way too long. And, you know, we should question a lot of things about the Hall of Fame. But anyways, um, yeah, I would agree with the with the players getting in. Um, I think that will, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, we don't end up with a one hall of fame or God forbid a zero hall of fame or situation. I don't think we'll have that, but I think we're getting at least three. Right. Um, and that's good. I think you want to have, you don't want to have those stupid no year years or one year, one player years. Um, I, I hate those. So, uh, yeah, no, um, I would agree with who's getting in, in, in your projection, I guess, or prediction. Yeah, I, I'm. I feel bad for certain people and everything like that. You know, again, like Victor Martinez, we didn't discuss Brandon Phillips. We didn't discuss awesome players, really, really like tremendous dudes that we didn't have time to discuss as we were getting close to a, a lengthy podcast episode, but we appreciate you listening in the whole time. Um, by the time we meet again, Ryan, the winter meetings will be beginning, uh, which is super exciting. Uh, there's a good chance that Shohei Otani signs sometime in the next two weeks, potentially, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto will require some time after that, and we could also see some trades here uh, soon enough as well. So the offseason, as you said, is just getting going. Hall of Fame season has begun. Uh, please uh, let us know what you think of our ballots and everything and you think of our process. Uh, we appreciate your listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and we will see you uh, as soon as possible. Have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.